What's going on, everybody? You're listening to I Think I Know Basketball on the Big Heads Media Network. I'm your boy, Keese. I'm your boy, Kyrie. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you engage with us on Twitter, Facebook, IG to continue the conversation and let us know what you think, because we think we know basketball. Okay, so so first of all, before before we get going, uh, fair warning, Keith, I'm gonna have to ask you about how that Atlanta trip went, okay? Because because inquiring minds want to know, you know what I mean? Especially with all the action going on down there right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Atlanta trip was was great. You know what I'm saying? I was celebrating my birthday. You know, a lot of a lot of fun things going on. I will say this: I understand why Lou Will would risk it all. If I was him, I would have left the bubble too and went to get some chicken wings. The chicken wings are that good. They're they're that mm. good. Mm. I mean, wings, wings and things. You know what I'm saying? Wings yeah. and things going on, and 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 I really liked it. But the Atlanta Hawks and the energy in Atlanta surrounding the Hawks is really, really. It's one of those Cinderella story type vibes. They they believe they're going to the championship. Like if they play Brooklyn, they're going to beat Brooklyn. Like they they believe. This is their year with young Trey Young, ice in his veins. It's pretty crazy. You know, and we're, we're going to talk about that later because honestly, I feel like that series might be the most interesting one. It, it might even be one one of the better ones that are that are still left right now. But we'll, we'll get to all that later. Um, first, happy birthday. Happy belated to you, thank my you. friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The, the older half of our podcast partnership. Yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm embracing it, too, you know what I'm saying? I'm embracing it. I feel great about it. I feel great about, you know, being older and implementing the things I've been learning in life. Just on that topic, man, it's, it's like wild how, like, you just learn so much stuff, like, like as, as you as you get older. Like, just thinking about how, like, I didn't even know how to run. It's like, yeah. I, was, I was fast, but I didn't know how to run when yeah. I was in a high school and stuff like that. And it's like, man, if I just like knew how to run, like, yeah, maybe a college scholarship would have happened. But you know what? It's okay because I like where we ended up. We're doing this together. Let's, so, talk, let's talk basketball, man. Let's talk basketball. So first, let's start off with some awards. We got some big awards come down yesterday from the NBA. Number one, Nikola Jokic wins MVP. We have been talking about this like after everybody got hurt. And he stayed healthy and he kept holding it down and, and all that. And, and just the idea that, like, yeah, he was kind of like the next man up in the MVP voting, you know, put that man in a bubble wrap so he doesn't get hurt. He stayed the course. He stayed healthy. And aside from just that, you know, so so first of all, Jokic, first center to win MVP since Shaq in 2000. Wow. So we're talk, it's a 21 years since somebody did this. Then you got 26 points almost 11 rebounds and eight assists per game. So this is also a center averaging almost a triple-double a game, which I mean, is, wow. It's crazy. Well, actually, it's not crazy that he won. Like you said, we've been talking about this all season. Once Embiid got hurt, it was kind of looking spooky for Embiid. But with Steph Curry, that was an interesting scenario. You know what I'm saying? If Steph Curry would have, if, if the Warriors would have made the playoffs, we may 
you know, there may have been a little bit more of a debate about who's MVP between Steph and, and Jokic, but the fact that Jokic and the Denver Nuggets were able to get the Portland Trailblazers out of here in the first round without having Jamal Murray and Jokic taking on so much of the load explains exactly why he should be MVP. Yeah, and you know, another name that we didn't even talk about yet, right, because we kind of skipped from Embiid to, like, possibly LeBron, and then, of course, he got hurt, too. I agree with you. Um, about about Jokic, I feel like, you know, the the fact that the Nuggets are the only Final Four team from last year still in the playoffs. Celtics, Lakers, and Heat all got bounced. And you think about how little time they had this offseason. I mean, like, it, it's a short turnaround every offseason for the teams that go deep in the playoffs anyway. You know, they always have short summers and, you know, quick turnarounds and stuff like that. But this was crazy, right? Like the teams that went to the finals had a 71-day offseason. That's barely two months, you know? That explains and why LeBron got injured. You can't have a 36-year-old out there with less than 100 days arrest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so so I mean, his injury was was definitely like a freak injury. But I think AD, I think that does kind of explain why AD got hurt. But yeah. but man, like again, every one of those teams had injury problems. Like, like Boston had crazy injury problems and COVID problems this year. They like could never have a cohesive lineup. The Heat had their struggles, man. They looked, they looked like they didn't have anything in that first round because they got swept up out of there by the Bucks real fast. And then you had the Nuggets who lost Jamal Murray, right? I thought they were cooked. Like I thought when, when Jamal Murray was gone, like, yeah, maybe they win a playoff series, but you know, how can we really, how can we even really expect them to win a playoff series? Right. And, and Jokic is just like, I'll just be the MVP then, you know, like that's my answer. And so I, I feel like that's, that's a big time achievement for him being available and doing what you do every night. And, and that's what he, did. the guys put been putting up numbers. I mean, again, he lost a major part of his team with Jamal Murray going down and he stepped up even more it seems like he's he, he's he's ready for this moment and he's trying to do the best that he can and he's going to take this team as far as they can go do i think that the nuggets will win the championship who knows you know what i'm saying this is the same team that was winning game sevens in the bubble like i don't know like it was regular games like this is just so we'll, we'll see what the denver nuggets can do with now mvp nikola Jokic. that dude's 26 he's only 26 I don't want to talk. I, I just got, I just been talking about how old I am. And you want to tell me this guy's 26. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and the other, and the other fun part that I, I didn't even realize this, that apparently Jokic was drafted like his announcement uh, for the draft was done during a Taco Bell commercial. It's like, oh, it's it, just, it just feels so fitting somehow. That's funny. That's funny. Let's talk about your guy, Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. Yes, sir. Wish he was still with Chicago. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's a long time ago, but you know, clearly the guy knows what he's doing, and he gets the teams and the players to buy into his system and really, really go hard. What he was able to do with the Knicks, come on, man. What are we talking about? This is what Tom Thibodeau does, and 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 I'm not even. I don't really mean this as a negative towards him, right? But this is what he did in Chicago. Yeah. What he's doing with with New York. He comes in to a team that's got talent. And then, you, you know, in, in particular, like the Knicks had talent, but, you know, they, they've been scuffling for a long time. The Bulls had talent when he became the head coach, you know, way back then. But 
they, you know, they were getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs and, you know, stuff like that, right? Like they weren't a real, real championship contender. But then Tom Thibodeau comes in and he gets these teams to buy into playing defense, scrapping and grinding out every single game during the regular season to the point where like they're, you know, they're, they're, they're winning games because teams aren't always taking the regular season hundred percent seriously. And he's like, the, the hell we aren't like, we're, we're, we're going to take advantage of those games. Yep. We're going to win. And it's like, you think about all, all those times the bulls had number one and number two seeds, like in the, like when you still had fully healthy Derek Rose mm-hmm. and, and how they were one of the best teams in, in the East, you know, pretty consistently when like he was like when he was up there and, and they, you know, even even when they weren't, even when Derrick Rose wasn't 100 percent anymore after he had the knee injury, they were still generally in the top half of the Eastern Conference just because they would just go out there and they would play hard defense and they and they would just like steal games from teams sometimes that they weren't supposed to beat, you know, and he would always get the most out of players that just weren't that good. Like you give him a mediocre roster, he's going to he's going to get every last win that you possibly could get pretty much out of that roster. That said, you get them in the playoffs like they did with the Knicks this year or, you know, a couple other times in the past. And that approach isn't always going to work because sometimes you're just going to run into a better team, a better team that is going to have seven games potentially to figure you out and, and game plan for you and take away what it is that you do well. The Hawks turned Julius Randle back into a pumpkin. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. He looked like he didn't know what to do. I mean, I don't necessarily know if it was the Hawks, though. Maybe the moment was too big for Julius Randle. And, you know, that maybe that's part of the learning curve for him. And it's good that he has a veteran like Derrick Rose on the team that could possibly help him mentally through this thing so he can get ready for next year and put in the same effort and 10x that because that's what he's going to have to do in order for them to get to the second round or, you know, to the promised land, which is ultimately an NBA championship. The, the playoffs right now have no LeBron, no Steph. Yeah. I mean, what, what other stars can you, I mean, the Clippers were almost out of here, but you know, we'll, we'll get oh, to them man. a little later. Yeah, no, that, 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 that was close, but yeah, no, obviously. But what do you are... think? What do you think about the playoffs without those guys? This was the first finals in what? 10 years that didn't have LeBron or Steph in it. I'm seeing these takes where it's like, no LeBron, no Steph is bad for basketball somehow, like, like not having them in the playoffs. And I think that's is ridiculous. Yes, okay. Be- because look, for one thing, you know, how are you going to crap on the young players in this game? And and the and these new teams like like everybody see this is the, the, the part that pisses me off a little bit because everybody keeps talking about oh I don't like you know watching the NBA because you just know who's gonna win every year well guess what here we are you know and, and maybe you maybe you'll say like oh well, it's gonna be the Nets maybe it is the Nets but you maybe. don't know we don't, don't know. know they've we never like, know. like this team is totally new they've never been in this situation right Le- LeBron is gone Steph Steph and the Warriors aren't there anymore this is this is a new deal. Let's talk about the playoffs and let's talk. Let's get into the games. And we're in the second round right now. A couple of games have been played in some of these series. Well, how do you feel? Like we got the Nets and the Bucks. We got the Suns versus the Nuggets. We got the Jazz on the Clippers. And we got the Hawks versus Philly. These are the series that's left. Well, how, what do you think? I feel like, and, and 
this is the only series that right now looks like like a complete mismatch is the Nets versus the Bucks. But I wouldn't have said that. I don't think I would have said that before the series started because I would have looked at this like, yo, Giannis, right? You know, like multiple time MVP, right? And, you know, going up against, you know, obviously this, this like three-headed monster they got going on, but they, then James Harden goes down really early in, in that first game. So now it's just down to the two superstars. The Bucks have a great offense, right? Like they're, they're a team, they've got playoff experience, yeah. right? They look like they were on a mission to prove that last year was just a fluke, you know, not, cool. getting, not, not getting out of the, you know, the first round. But dude, like, I'm sorry, man, these nets are crazy. I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks have just run into the Heat 2.0. It's it's pretty crazy to watch. They, they kind of look like the Bucks in the playoffs last year versus the Miami Heat. Um, they just don't. I mean, Giannis is is good, and they have a good offense, and they've added some weapons. Like you know, you've mentioned Drew Holiday before. Um, they got PJ Tucker. You know, hitting that corner three. Middleton's playing at a high level. We got Giannis doing Giannis things, and it's just like. Well, this is what that looks like against a healthy KD. Yeah. What like what are they gonna? You can't like. I, there's really nothing. They, like the Heat just outbullied them last year. This year, the Nets are just gonna out basketball them. Like they're just a they're just a superior offensive team. They and they just they just they just score more than you. And, and I mean, like I've I've seen teams that are. Uh, or rather, I, I've seen people interact with me on Twitter, and it's like, yeah, like the joke is right that they don't play defense. Like, kind of joke back with them about that. Um, I, I saw somebody uh, who follows me was like, they're like the most imminently beatable, like superstar team that they've seen because they don't play defense and like uh, they look so incohesive and they don't play this like, you know, perfect brand of basketball. They they play a lot of ISO ball sometimes and, and whatnot, but though we should point out that's not all they do they know how to pass they know how to they know how to swing it they know how to move the ball but the thing is it's like like people just don't like them because they're a super team right because they have all this this talent stacked on them and they want to see them lose and i'm not even gonna lie there's a part of me that wants to see that too at the same time like they're just like when when they're on they just score more than you it doesn't matter if they don't play defense they just score more points the goal of of the game is to score more points and they just yeah. do that better than everybody like like I, one I, thing I, that's interesting is seeing them kind of become the villains they're starting to become like the dark horse in the nba like if they do win the championship i don't think it's going to be a lot of people across the country celebrating them they're not going to be like a favorite no. team they're going to be like the bad guys that are the cha- like they're like the detroit pistons you know what i'm saying they're going to be the bad guys that are the champions and people are going to want to see them lose, kind of like what happened with LeBron when he was in Miami as well. So that, that right there is going to be interesting seeing, you know, how that develops. But with James Harden injured, I do think it's going to be a little tougher for the Nets because if Kyrie or KD has a bad game, um, that's, that's going to be really detrimental to their, to their offense. And I don't think Giannis will just, like, have a bad game offensive game he, he shoots most of his shots from right there next to the rim the pressure's on the nets to really keep it up at this high level they're up two games right now but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have it sealed although they have been smacking this team by like double figures in each game yeah and i mean the thing is right like you know you keep it in mind like they're gonna go 
to they're, they're going to go home right for these next couple of games and so now it's all about seeing like can they bounce back so mm-hmm. it, yeah it's it's, cer- it's certainly possible i mean they got good energy out there in in milwaukee uh, at pfizer arena so and, and, and i mean maybe maybe you see uh you know just some epic Giannis performances yeah, right? so- that, that you know that you know he's still capable of so uh, I, I would say, like, it It looks like this series is a mismatch, but again, like, we've already seen this, right? Mm-hmm. Team goes up 2-0, we try to bury the other team, and then they come back and, and make a series out of it. So I would say we're not done yet. I expect the Bucks to put up, I, I expect the Bucks to put up, like, a better fight than the extremely undermanned Celtics did. But, man... We'll see, cause, cause I mean, this the I think it's hard to think the Nets aren't winning the East. So one way or another, I expect them to get out. Now, some of the other series we talked about. So I actually want to get into this one: the Suns being up on the Nuggets right now, one zero. They're gonna play. They're gonna play again tonight. Yep. And this the the Suns, man, they might be the most surprising team of all. I, I'm not surprised. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Since the bubble last year, they went undefeated in the bubble pretty much. And yeah, they I mean, they, they, I mean, yeah, they they went nine and zero. It's just that yeah. you know they didn't they didn't get the help from other teams needed to win. Yeah. The reason so, I say it though is because I mean, okay, yeah, they won they won in the bubble, and you got all these people talking about bubble frauds and what's real in the that bubble momentum. That momentum is what it is. Like what they built there with their coach and what they what they was able to see themselves do by beating a lot of big, good teams in that bubble, that momentum just came into this year. And you add Chris Paul, who's a Hall of, he's a Hall of Fame point guard. That's This guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest point guards ever. You can see what he brings to a team, especially now in his older age when he doesn't have to carry the offensive load as much as he needed to when he was younger. You got young Devin Booker out there, DeAndre Ayton out there. You got Jay Crowder. I don't even really like Jay Crowder, but Jay Crowder is fun to watch on the Suns. He kind of gives me the same vibe he had when he was on the Celtics. But that may also be because... I've been rooting for the Suns. So if I wasn't, if he was on the Miami Heat, I'd still probably hate him. So, I mean, whatever. We're not going to talk about my flip-floppy on players that aren't on the Celtics. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, the Phoenix Suns are really, really meshing together. And that last game against the Lakers, the way that they finished that game off, let me know 100% that they are not a fluke and they are going to battle it out until the end and they could possibly i mean i mean even before that honestly the the way that they they were they were i mean yeah like you they were more well rested and whatnot but honestly they they wanted it more than the lakers did it's just straight up they, they, they wanted, wanted they wanted it more than the lakers the, than the lakers blood in the water like they, sharks yeah no they were they were they were more physically and mentally tough they beat them up and and here here's the thing right so this last game Right, that the game one against the Nuggets, where where they they win all all five starters in double figures. I mean, they just had such a good all around game. But mm-hmm. what gets me is like with with they had all this talent with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, and and they they did all this in the bubble, and then you add Chris Paul and his obvious on the court contributions, just in terms of like scoring, assists, all that. But then mm-hmm. you see the fact that he's still walking around on a bum shoulder. You know, he he hit it again in this game. And he wasn't quite right, at least not early on in the game. But that leadership, the toughness, 
like you talk about you you talk about wanting it more very few players ever probably want it more than that dude and, and you know, he wants it he wants it more and honestly it was good watching him play against you know his bff lebron in the playoffs and see him not back down like you know what i'm saying like i don't know if that makes sense like it just looked like he was like fam i'm not scared of you yeah like, I mean, my boy like but like we're gonna we're gonna we're here to take you out we are absolutely here to take you out and yeah yeah and, and you know what he, he he's never backed down from anybody i mean he didn't back down from kobe back in the day when they had their series going together wow. like i mean he's he's a dog i mean he always has been and and i think that you know right now like this team is looking like a dark horse possibility to to get out of the west because i feel like the west right now is so up in the air right the east feels like a foregone conclusion feels like a foregone conclusion i'm not going to say it is though oh, uh, but the west feels so open ended and like yeah. yeah i i could see this team winning the west i could I mean, the phoenix suns could make it but you know let's not forget they're talking about that team that we were the Phoenix Suns could win the West, but let's not, you know, forget that they're playing the team that we would just talk about in the Denver Nuggets, who has Nikola Jokic. They got, you know, people, they got Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers. They got people who can step up in Jamal Murray's absence. And I think that the X factor for them is going to be like Michael Porter Jr. I think that if he can have like really, really good games and put up like 20 points a game, then the Nuggets might, might beat the Suns. So... Yeah. It's not, you know, I, I like the Suns and I like everything that they're doing, but I don't want to just make it seem like I think they're just going to win the championship. But I do feel oh, that there's a lot, there's a lot in the way, yeah, man. They have a, they, but the Suns do have a great confidence right now that can help, you know, their momentum that they've already built on since last year to help them keep going. But the, but the, but the Nuggets, I mean, you know, we just talked about them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what, there's not really much more to say. They have a they have a solid core with an MVP center who's averaging almost a triple double. That that that's your defending, you know, Western Conference runner-up right there. Like again, they were one of the final four teams. They are not going to be an easy out. So no, that like that that's what I'm saying is that there really is no no guarantee for me about who wins the West right now. That includes this series. On the other side of the West, Utah, the number one seed versus the Clippers, who on paper look like they should be a real contender to win the West, but we're just not sure about them. We're I don't, I don't, yeah. Sure. All the series in the West are real. I mean, both of those, the Suns and the Nuggets and the Clippers versus the Jazz are two series where it's just like, I just don't know who's going to win. I, I don't know what's up with the Clippers. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't have enough faith in them to say that they're going to just pull this out. They're just there. Like, that's how I see the Clippers at this point. Like, the Clippers are there, and we'll see with how they want to handle this situation. And, and I, I will say this, right, because we just had a situation where, where we, we, were, we, were pouring, we were throwing dirt on the Clippers' grave after two games. We thought they were done. And you know what? They, they, showed, they showed us up. They showed everybody up. Because they were all like, yeah, let's see how the Mavs do on their home floor. And they were right. They yeah. were right. The Mavs didn't win a single game on their home floor. How does that happen? Right? Yeah. But Christoph Porzingis being a co-star, that's why. Christoph was feeling like a co-star. And Luca's not passing him the ball. That's why they lost. Apparently, you know. If you listen to, if you listen to him, you know, from his perspective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, let, that, that, that's your real playoff P right there. Yeah, Christoph yeah, yeah. Porzingis. 
but but I mean, well, it's not not like Paul George is just gonna give away that title so easy. He was like four for twenty or like four for twenty one, <laughs> you know. Um, but but yeah, so so I mean, we're we're talking about a Clippers team that you know Kawhi was magnificent yeah. to close out that last series. Like yeah. I mean, he was he was excellent. Like what yeah. are you gonna say? But you got your money's worth there. Yeah, but but still, you you just don't know enough about what you're getting from the rest. Mm-hmm. Right? So what about what about the Jazz though? Do you yeah. feel like you know what you're getting from the Jazz? Well, I, I feel like look at this. They haven't lost a game since Donovan Mitchell came back to the playoffs. So he missed Game One of that Ooh. series versus the Grizzlies. They have not lost since he came back. He's looking like a young Dame Lillard out there right now. And and look, man, like I'm thinking about this, man, because last year. He got outdueled by Jamal Murray in, in that in that Nugget series. But if 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 the Jazz end up winning that series, like we're we're talking about how crazy Donovan Mitchell was playing because I mean he was balling out too. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And I mean it's like he has that in him. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like people just like they look at the Jazz like, and, and I mean maybe we've been guilty of this a little bit too. Like we're thinking about the Jazz. It's like oh well, they don't really have like a superstar or anything like that. They're just a really good team that passes the ball a lot and hits open shots. It's like, yeah, let's not make that mistake because Donovan Mitchell is a star. He's he's, he a, star. Star. he's, he, he's a star star. I feel like he gets overlooked a little bit in Utah, right? And then, you know, because the because the team has this this identity of, you know, like just kind of being a really good team. Right. Then we then we immediately jumped to this part. Well, they don't have a superstar, so they're not going to win the title. And it's like and maybe they don't. Right. But I feel like we need to think about how good they are with Donovan Mitchell and how he continues to prove he's a real dude in the playoffs. Like this is no joke. This is one thing I was thinking about with this series is Donovan Mitchell. No joke. No, no joke at all. But I was watching NBA on TNT's like halftime report or something one day, and Draymond Green was on there. You know, I don't like him as a player, but as an analysis, I think he's really, really good um, when he's telling his analysis on the games. And he mentioned trying to take Rudy Gobert out of the game and making him play in the spots you want him to play because he impacts the game so much for the Utah Jazz. And watching that Clippers game and seeing their use of DeMarcus Cousins was exactly that. He's great as a rim defender. Like there, there are few people that are just going to be able to to challenge him straight up when he's in position because he because he is so you know athletic, long, tall, just just all of that. You know, he's he's great. But when you get him away from the basket, you take him out of his comfort zone, you make him defend on the perimeter, and yep. then you got something a little bit. So it's like it's gonna be on both ends, right? Getting Rudy Gobert away from his comfort zone down low as as an as an interior you know defender as a rim as a rim protector and then making him try to play offense away from the rim as well because he's got no game out there yeah right? no game. and that's what demarcus cousins is going to do it's going to help the clippers spread the floor because cousins can hit the three and yeah. he can he can he can he can drive off the wing i mean he's a big that can do those types of things so yeah yeah so this is going to be interesting yeah, so this is going to be dope to look to look at when it. Yeah, so this is going to be a, a good thing to watch for because what if playoff P decides to show up again? What if you're what if you're successfully taking Gobert out of the game, but your stars can't score? 
I then mean, what happens? And this is this is the thing, right? If if Paul George were were good or at least average every single game, we're not having this discussion we're because not. the Clippers are waltzing to the Western Conference Finals. This is true. Right? Like I I feel like that like we don't even need to talk about it. But again, four for twenty-one. You can't be having four for twenty-one games in the playoffs, dude. Nope, like, nope, nope. Not, especially not this many times. Like I feel like we shouldn't be, we should not be having to have this discussion because Paul George is better than that. But once again, he continues to prove that in the playoffs, for whatever reason, he's not. And then every time you want to, you know, just be like, ha, ah, you know, pandemic P, you know what I mean? Then then he comes out with, you know, 25, 30 points or whatever on an efficient game. And then you think he'd turn the corner and then he goes back to being pandemic P again. Yep, yep, like, yep. I'm, I'm tired of this. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, just play consistently. Your team should be good. So we got one more series to talk about. And as mentioned at the top of the uh, at the top of the show, I was in Atlanta. I caught this game one in Atlanta. It was crazy. The energy, the vibes was crazy. Watching Trey Young do his thing for Atlanta while in Atlanta and seeing the AT aliens cheer for him and watching that whole vibe, it was just like, man. I was kind of jealous. I was kind of jealous. I was wishing I was having that feeling in Boston. You know what I'm saying? Here I am, you know, coming back to a heat wave and no basketball from the Celtics. I'm looking at Jason Tatum's Instagram page, watching old highlights. But the Atlanta Hawks versus the Philadelphia 76ers. The series is tied 1-1 now. The Hawks won the first game. Trey Young did exactly what he needed to do. But then they came back second game, and Joel Embiid was like, listen, I... I was in the MVP race too, guys. Yeah. I want, to, I want you to know that. He's like, I was the real MVP. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, I, and I think that, again, this is the kind of thing that like, I don't know, man, like this, this is, this is who, this is who we always wanted to see, right? Joel Embiid getting a playoff situation and be like, okay, like my team needs a win 40. Here you go. Take this. And, and I think that, as long as it, if he plays like that throughout the series, right? It, it's a it's a tough ask because, again, you we talked about this already. You need other guys to make shots. You know this can't just be throw it into Joel Embiid, hope he scores forty, and and that's it, right? Like like the other guys need to be able to make shots and space the floor for him so we can pass it out, right? Um, and and. So, so that he can so that he can pass it out of the post and just generally have the floor you know spread and that would make his job easier down low as well yeah uh, but I but I think that when it comes to it I feel like this could be the most interesting series of all because I think this Hawks team like they're here for real now yeah no they right? are like, they are here like, for real because I could see Trey Young taking this team to the Eastern Conference Finals maybe yeah. I don't see them winning it yeah. Right, because they're probably going to go up against the Nets. But still, I don't know, man. I don't know. They could beat the Nets. They could, if they play the Nets, they could beat the Nets. I feel like it's one of those type of stories. Like just the momentum and the energy that they have behind them right now is just like they they Crazier can't. Things have happened. Yeah, yeah, they can't do. It seems like they can't do nothing wrong. Like Trey Young just looks really unstoppable. It's crazy how unstoppable Trey Young looks. But against Philly, you know, Joel Embiid. He proved last night in that game, too, that he is just as unstoppable. When he wants to dominate, like you said, and his team needs 40, he can go get 50. And 
I think that that right there is going to be the deciding factor in this series is that matchup between Joel Embiid and Clint Capella. You know what I'm saying? Capella can't get into foul trouble. He has to stay in the game. Trey needs him for those screen and rolls to throw those oops so that he can either, either throw the oop, do the floater, step back for the three. You got John Collins, like he needs to step it up. I mean, and, but, but, the, but, the, but the Hawks, they got Bogdan Bondanovich. I hope I said that right. Gallinari. And then the other guy, what's the other guy's name? Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. I like Kevin Herter a lot. You know what I'm saying? He reminds me of like a more, like a less flashier hero, Tyler Hero. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He reminds me of a less flashier him. Same game, same stuff like that. Just a little less flashier. Has that same fire and stuff. But they got those three guys, and they're like really spreading the floor out for Atlanta, giving Trey Young somebody to kick the ball out to if he's not throwing the oop to Clint Capella. And, and the, the other thing to, to mention, too, that the Hawks have been missing is DeAndre Hunter. Right. You know, so that that's a, you know, that's a tough loss because he's yeah. a, another he's another wing scorer. Right. That that takes some of that burden off of Trey Young. And, and so it definitely reduces their firepower a good a good amount. So I think that when this series goes back to Atlanta, I mean, he was a game time decision for game two, yeah. um, but but he wasn't able to get into the game. Um, so if if you get him back when this series goes to Atlanta, I, I mean, I feel like the ener the energy of you know the you know the the city and the crowd and all that stuff, obviously. And then you get back one of your your other good scores. I feel like that would be excellent, like for for the Hawks. And it I feel like excellent. that could that could turn the tide of the series, really. It could, but at the same time, if the if the Sixers continue to get consistent play from Tobias Harris mm. and the other curry, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that. <laughs> the other curry. Imagine, curry. imagine that. You see S. Curry in the playoffs, and it's it's Seth. Not Seth, Seth Curry. Yes, yeah, Seth, Seth Curry. You know, if they continue to get good games from these guys, I mean, it's gonna be crazy. Seth made five of six three-pointers the other night in game two. That's curry, that's the curry name. So if Seth and Tobias Harris, who had 20 points or 22 points that last game. If they can continue to contribute and, you know, supplement what Joel Embiid is doing, the Sixers will be in a good position. But how do you feel about Ben Simmons? 34 minutes, only four points. He put up four points in 34 minutes, seven assists, three rebounds, two steals. This guy is a max player. I feel like when it comes to, to Ben Simmons, we're always, you know, looking at his offseason. It's like, oh, yeah, like he's working on his shot. Like, look at that. He hit a three, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but, but in the end, he's not, he's not taking those shots in the game, right? That's not who he is. That's not the kind of player he is. He's, he's going to he's, – he's only going to shoot at the rim pretty much. And he is going to, you know, set up the offense, dish out assists, and he's not going to space the floor. I don't know, man. 34 minutes from a guy like this. Well, actually, he took he took three shots. He made two of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He 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 took three shots. That's that's so much better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, made, he made two of them. But at 34 I mean, minutes, I need more than seven assists. If you're talking about setting up the offense and all this stuff that you're saying that he brings to the table, he should at least have double figures and something other than points. And, and I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, definitely, like, you don't want to see that kind of you know, like, you don't want to see that kind of stat line. At the same time, I mean, they deferred to Joel Embiid, and he dominated, you know, and they won by you know, six, by 16 points. So I, I I don't know that, like, that's the kind of game where you look at it and you're just like, man, they're really in trouble. I mean, he had, he had, he was seven for seven in game one, and they lost, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. But but at the same time, at the same time, I think that again, right? Like people keep on wanting to Ben Simmons to be something that he's not and just is never going to be. He's never going to be that dude, right? And so I think that as long as he is, he needs to be aggressive in trying in trying to get to whatever shots he's going to take because I feel like that is necessary, right? So it's like you do want to see games where he's, you know, seven for seven from the field. That's probably enough for him. I don't yeah. know if he needs to make more than 10 shots to have an impact on the game, but yeah, uh, four points is 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 a little low for yeah. It's Playoff basketball, we need more than four points. Un- unless unless like Joel Embiid's going off for fifty, and basically everybody's just like, well, you might as well just give him the ball because he's just going to score every time. If if that works, it works. It works. And and I feel like they're just in this mindset of like, hey man, if that's going to work and it's going to win us the game, then we'll do whatever. Ben Simmons, like I don't need to score more than four points, but the other teams are going to make him have to score more than four points. You can't get away with four points against the Nets, you know, because because what are you going to need Joel Embiid to score to make up for that? Like 70? Like, come on now. That's where Tobias Harris and Seth Curry, the other Curry, comes into play. But, yeah, man, it's going to be some good games tonight. The playoffs round one are in the books. We are in round two of the playoffs. A couple of games in. It's going to be interesting to see the games tonight. So I think that's I think that's that's good for this episode, man. I think we should wrap it up right there, man. I'm yeah, let's, ra- let's wrap it up. And and you know what, man? We barely talked about the Lakers. Today was a good day. I mean, we didn't need to. They're not here. Exactly, because they're not here, right? <laughs> All right, man. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. It's I think I know basketball. Make sure you follow us and hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, IG at I think I know B ball and, and, and engage with us. I'm your boy Keese. I'm your boy Kyrie. Till next time. Till next time.